Hello and welcome to Just One Cornetto, a podcast discussing all things Greenock Morton. My name is Dean McKinnon and I am your host. Just One Cornetto is brought to you by themortonforum.com. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at The Morton Forum. All our panellists appear in an entirely personal capacity and as such their views are personal to them. This podcast may contain a bit of adult language. Thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Just one cornetto, give it to me, delicious ice cream, oh Italy, the mountain chocolate give me cornetto. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just One Cornetto. Morton bounced back from their last gasp exit from the Scottish Cup on Friday night, claiming a point against Championship Champions Hearts. The score finished 0-0 and all attention now turns to Saturday's match against Alloa. Joining me to analyse the game, we have Craig Dunning. Craig, how are you? Not too bad, Dean. Yourself? Aye. And Evan McFarlane. Evan, how are you? I'm not too bad, mate. Thanks for having me on. Alright, guys. Well... I said this before we started the record, I don't know how much new ground we're actually going to cover tonight, but we'll talk about the lineup. Obviously, 120 minutes played on Friday night, two changes to the lineup with Strap and Aussie coming in for McGuffey and Muirhead. I'll go to you first one with this one, Evan. What was your reaction to the lineup? A wee bit concerned. I certainly when you uh, dropped McGuffey for it, and it did look very much like we were attempting to uh, shithouse our way through the game which uh, I was certainly worried about, but it, uh, I mean, it paid off. We were very compact, very tight, and very difficult to beat, and that's obviously exactly what the lineup was intended to do. I can't really have any complaints about it now. What about yourself, Craig? Yeah, I think with Strap, you can see you can see the argument for having him on the left in the sense of Hearts do have the potential to have a big attacking threat down the right-hand side, which you know, we saw pretty much no attacking threat from them at all tonight. But yeah, you look at de- depending how that eleven set up, you could have Shea Logan and or Michael Smith bobbing down bobbing down your left hand side. You-, you can see the logic in having Strap there. But I do think personally I would have personally the only change I would have made from from Friday night would have been Strap in from McGinty. And I, th- I think we needed in an attacking sense we needed McGuffey and Nesbitt there to give us a proper out ball. But uh, I do completely see that Thurston's logic of trying to be stuffy. I don't see quite see the logic of why Aussie was a better option than Muirhead, but I think we've uh, we've discussed Calvin Aussie quite a lot on this podcast over the season, so I think, as you said, we'd probably be treading over old ground there if we fully delved into that. Yeah, I think I can understand the logic. Obviously, a lot of it is going to depend on the turnaround and how the players have coped with their recovery between now and Friday night. Obviously, we're not privy to that in an entirely footballing sense. I can understand the logic of keeping McGuffey as an option off the bench, but given the way the game panned out, I think McGuffey will be quite annoyed, given how well he did play on Friday night. If I was McGuffey, I would be quite annoyed that I didn't feature at any point. I thought there was a point in the second half where we could have looked to take, you know, one of Strap on McGinty off, put McGuffey on, give us a bit more a bit more natural width and a bit more dynamism on the left or midfield, or we can swap Nesbitt back. It gave us a, a plethora of a plethora of options there. But 
yeah, I can understand, as you said, Craig, I can understand the logic behind it, given how strong Hearts have been down that side. If Muirhead has recovered well, and if Muirhead was fit enough to start, I think he should be starting. We're not going to go into the Aussie debate again. We've, we've touched on it numerous times, but I think anyone who watched the game tonight can see where the weakness is in our attacking play, especially from open play. So we'll move on slightly from there. What did you make of the overall performance, Evan? I mean, defensively, very few complaints. Back five itself was solid, and uh, Hearts couldn't get anyone in behind, and their, their wing-backs... I mean, well, to be fair, Hearts wing-backs didn't really look to get forward too much. I mean, there was space to get into. Very rarely did they actually pass into it and advance into it, which was surprising because, I mean, we know they are a wee bit pish, but they are also champions of the division by quite some distance and there's no pressure on them at all. I thought the shackles might have been off a wee bit tonight, but they uh, uh, they looked quite devoid of ideas, and which was, was fine for us when the balls did eventually get played into the box. The very few that actually did, we dealt with them pretty well. And even McGinty, his charges out of the box, his cavalier runs were limited to about two or three tonight, which was a big bonus as well. So overall, defensively, I've got very few complaints. Going forward, though, and our, uh, our attack is um, the thing that obviously gives me the fear and has me extremely worried for Saturday. I don't know, we're going to need to see what happens. Defensively, though, I've got no real issues, and that's, that's one positive, I suppose. Yeah, I would agree. I think defensively you can't really have any complaints. Hearts literally didn't have a shot on target in the entire first half. Even though Hearts have had a reputation all season for being, I would be kind to say, a bit turgid more often than not. And even though you're wondering how's it going to go now they've won the league, are they going to down tools or are they going to sort of play with a bit of freedom? Not that they've had any pressure on them because you know, we're in the title's been a foregone conclusion since about November. But um, Half an hour into that game, just sort of thinking, aye, we've, you know, we've been the better team so far here, but it's not going to last. But no, we were the better team for 90 minutes there. And it was only when they started making subs that they did start carving us open a bit. It, well, I say carving us open. They started finding space and still creating very little with it. So yeah, defensively we were sound, and I thought, as they were against Dundee and even more so against Murrow, I thought the midfield were excellent. Jacobs and McGinn ran that midfield again and I thought Lyon was Lyon was excellent. I think he was visibly you know, he invisibly ran himself into the ground by by the time he was taken off and he probably should have been off you know, a good ten minutes or so earlier than he was. But yeah, I don't think you can fault many individual performances in that modern team. No, absolutely not. And I think to balance what we did see about Aussie, the defensive work that Aussie put in tonight was absolutely outstanding. And he really did well against what was initially a back three. For Hearts, he did very well to stop them being comfortable on the ball and disrupt them. And the effort that he did put in was outstanding. I think if we're being extremely critical, there was possibly a case to be made for earlier substitutions. But I think it certainly wouldn't be a hill that I'd be willing to die on because I think given how tight the game was and given how comfortable the defence looked, yeah, I think if I was in McPherson's position, I don't think it would have done anything much too different from the way he did. I think 
Ledger and Fyotov were the two best players on the park, I would be it would be hard to split them for my choice for man of the match. I think credit has to go to Fyotov, obviously, at the start of McPherson's reign. We talked about this before we came on air. At the start of McPherson's reign, he made a bit of an arse of it, get taken off half an hour into, was that his first match or his second match? That was McPherson's second match. Aye, yeah, that was, uh, aye, he started against Dunfermline away where you could say that it was probably Fjordhoff at fault for Dunfermline's goal. And then, yeah, McPherson's second game in charge, that was Queen of the South where he got subbed after about 25 minutes because he was a foul away from a red card already. So, yeah, I think, yeah, that, that's spot on. I think you have to give a lot of credit to Fjordhoff for how he's bounced back from that. You know, he's got his chance in the team again and he's absolutely taken it and, Ah, he's been solid since he came back in against Dundee. Yeah, you know, he, he was excellent on Friday night, excellent again tonight, and he's a nailed-on, for myself anyway, he's a nailed-on starter for, for Saturday. Just One Cornetto is brought to you in association with the Inverclyde Boiler Company and the Inverclyde Bathroom Company. Shane and his team offer the very best design, installation, aftercare and customer service and are very proud to serve the Inverclyde community. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram or call them on 01475 503304. Okay guys, I don't think there's really much else to touch on on tonight's game. All attention now turns to Saturday. How would you line up for it, Craig? I would start the way I wanted to start tonight, which um, I don't think McPherson will do, but I would go McGuffey in for McGinty. Strat to left back, Muirhead and Ferrossi. Yeah, I think, that's the exact yeah. same. That's the exact same team as I would put out. Yeah, I think Nesbitt struggled tonight, and I think that's in a large part because you're putting too much of an attacking burden on Nesbitt when you've got Strap on the other side. Because as we've seen with, it's always left backs, never right backs. As we've seen with various modern left backs over the years, <laughs> you can't just because somebody's a good attacking fullback put them in the wing and expect to, to do the same job. And to, to, to give McPherson credit, you know, I, I don't think that's you know, why he's put Strat on the left side of midfield. You know, he's not doing a, doing a Mark Russell. So, yeah, I, I do completely see the logic of why he's put Strap out Sorry. there. Sorry, I just need to interrupt you with some breaking news that Peter Hedel scored against Falkirk. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, how sad. Never mind. Ten- Ten man Falkirk who have amassed one, two, five yellow cards. Oh, TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I won't. I won't hear a bad word said against Jim McAnally. <laughs> Sorry, we get slightly no, distracted. I, I think that was a very worthwhile interruption. <laughs> but no, uh, I, I think, I think my point was just about done. The yeah, I think you need to have McGuffey on the other side in this, but just to sort of balance out an attack if you're trying. Channel everything through Nesbitt. You're asking too much of him, frankly. I thought he was poor tonight, but I don't think that's entirely on him. No, I think you're absolutely spot on with that. And you can... I think McPherson has strapped there. I think it is more of a defensive issue more than it is an attacking. They're looking to, to find a spark out of him in an attacking sense. Just One Cornetto is brought to you in association with Denotter Replica Football Shirts, who specialise in classic Morton shirts from years gone by, including their new release, the white match winner away shirt from 1989, 
they are currently running a special 20% discount for all repeat customers until the end of the current season. To claim this discount, simply tag Donotter in a tweet wearing any of their shirts. To view their full catalogue, please visit their website www.donotter.scot. Okay guys, thank you very much for that. So, one other fixture in the Championship tonight. Dundee were down to nine men before Inverness took the lead in the 84th minute through Brad Mackay. However, couldn't hang on. Dundee get an equaliser two minutes later through Lee Ashcroft. Looking towards the Championship table, we'll just go from sixth down really. Queen of the South are still sixth on 31. Our both are seventh on 29. Aaron 8th and 27, Morton 9th and 27, with a goal difference of minus 11 compared to Ayr's minus 6. Aloha obviously out of the running on 18. And one other bit of news, obviously, friend of the podcast, Sir David Irons, was, it was announced today that he will be leaving Stenhouse Muir after tonight's match. So hopefully Davey can bounce back and get himself another job in football. We'll move on from there. Obviously, Saturday is Morton's Player of the Year awards, which, given how results could go, could actually see us confined to the playoffs. But, yeah, we'll gloss over that one. So, time for you guys to pick your Player of the Year. Who would you go for, Craig? I think it has to be McAdams. <laughs> you, know, you can look at individual moments where he could have done better. But, even at that, I think you're sort of clutching at straws to find reasons to to criticise, which I would never do. I'm always unfailingly positive about modern players. <laughs> but no, I think, yeah, McAdams has been excellent. And when you looked at when you looked at the summer and generally the state of our recruitment in general and the fact that half the championship was looking for a first choice goalkeeper. So every club shopping in the same market and we come up with this guy that most of us have never heard of, whose biggest first-team experience was a very brief phone spell in League 2. I think it's it's turned out better than any of us could have expected. I think he is probably the best goalkeeper in the in the division, other than Craig Gordon. And I, he, let's face it, it's highly unlikely he's still going to be here next season. You could be yourself, Evan. Sorry, I, I was just going to say, you could make arguments for for Ledger, who delivers a sort of solid 7 out of 10 performance at every week and never dips below it. You could make an argument for Lewis Strap, who has his periodic 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 performances, but I think it has to be McAdams. No, I think you guys are absolutely spot on. It's important to remember that McAdams had only played 15 senior games before he joined Morton, all of which were in League 2. You know, for someone to step up with pretty much zero experience in senior football and next to no experience in senior football to step up to championship level and to be the best goalkeeper in the division, obviously Craig Gordon aside, that is an absolutely fantastic achievement and also given given the fuck's sake Dean, words, English, given the change in personnel behind the scenes, you know there was a there was a good a period after Hopkins left where there wasn't a goalkeeper coach. You know, Timmons had walked out to come through all of that and to, and to still put in the performances that he has. I think he does deserve massive credit and hopefully, if we're still in the championship, hopefully we can still offer him something. If not, 
then he's been a very good servant to us, and I think we would all wish him very well. Ledger probably finishes second for me. Again, not his natural position. He said at the start he prefers playing centre-back. He's been... Him and McLean have been consistent over the piece in the back four and the back five. I think if it wasn't for those two guys, we would be in even deeper trouble than we have been. And as you said, Ledger is the, the typical six and a half, seven, seven and a half out of ten every single week and has been absolutely priceless in that back line. Strap deserves to be in the conversation, but I don't think he comes close to being where McAdams or Ledger are. When you look at the consistency of the other two, Strap hasn't had that say that's this season. I know he's been shunted about a little bit in the last few weeks, but as you said, Craig, there have been a few 10 out of 10 matches. There's been a few 9 out of 10 matches. He also had that kind of dip of four, five, six, seven games where we just weren't getting anything from him. And the aim for Strap next year has to be getting that level of consistency in his game that will hopefully push him to another level. Yeah, I think the thing you have to acknowledge with Strap as well is that unlike McAdams and Ledger, where we really had no idea what we were getting, there was already quite a burden of expectation on Strap as well, that despite how young and relatively inexperienced he is, pretty much everyone, based on what they've seen him do in a morning shot already, is just expecting him to be one of our best players and bring that level of consistency. And yeah, I would I would still say, yeah, I think McAdams and Ledger have both had a better season than him. I think it's easy to to forget how young and inexperienced he still is. Uh, yeah, and he's going to, you know, I, I would expect Strat to probably leave this summer, to be honest, bearing in mind that his contract's up next summer and if, you know, Morton are moving to a position of actually wanting to cash in on assets, then, yeah, you're going to have to cash in on Strat online this summer because I don't see either of them signing new contracts. But, yeah, yeah well, that I, was... I think he's got he's got a lot to work on in his game. Um, if he's going to move on to a higher level. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him playing at a sort of decent floating around the top end of the bottom six, lower end of the top six Scottish Premiership club next season and performing well there. Yeah, I think that's absolutely spot on. I think regardless of what division we are in next season, I think this summer is the time to, to cash in on strap. Possibly, I think, Lions, there's a little bit more of a grey area with Lion, given that he hasn't featured as much this season as he probably expected to. And I think that will be reflected in the price we would get for Lion should we sell him. I think we'll get a lot more for Strap than we would for Lion at this time. But yeah, I think this is probably the right time to... And yeah, we just hope that the, the new custodians of the club negotiate far better transfer deals than the outgoing owners. Yeah, I was I, I was just wondering what, what line to take because I was about to jump in and say what you what you mean letting players set their own release clauses, but you know that's actually quite common. Um, uh, however, yes, the way that Douglas Ray let Michael Tinsor set his own release clause is more of the issue. I'll give you fifty grand. No, no, thanks. I'll give you fifty grand in cash. Oh, okay <laughs> then. Yeah, no, no. The, the, the best yeah. thing about the, the best thing about the Michael Tinsor transfer was that Rotherham initially offered. 50 grand in installments and Morton just flat out rejected it 
And rather than wait for Rotherham to come back with another offer, which might have been more money in instalments, they just went and told the Tilly, oh yeah, if they offer 50k up front, we'll accept it. So of course Rotherham came back and offered 50k up front because they're capable of reading a local newspaper's website. It's nice to see that we, um, we've got our transferred negotiating tactics from only fools and horses. That's a Dale <laughs> Trotter move. <laughs> Sorry, we get a wee bit sidetracked there. That was probably my fault. Yes. Okay, I think we will leave it there for another week. So, Craig, thank you very much for joining us. No problem. Cheers for having me. Okay, guys, and we'll be back after Saturday's game against Alloa. Well, that's the show, folks. Remember to check out themortonforum.com for the latest Morton news, discussion and articles featuring the excellent match photography of GBR photographs. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and we'd love to hear your feedback or questions on any of our social platforms at The Morton Forum. Give me